welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is a podcast created to enhance, connect and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you're listening from today, I want to thank you for tuning in. My name is Paul Joy and we're delighted to present another conversation with a Yarra Old Grammarian, lovingly and affectionately known as a Yog. And today we're going to track some of their memories their, from their time here at school and where the twists and turns of life have taken them. Today I'm thrilled to introduce you to Kate Schmidley from the class of 2012. There's all sorts of um, rabbit warrens that we go down during this conversation and, uh, and I'm thrilled to be able to present it to you today. Now as a YOG, as a member of the Yarra Old Grammarian community or as a current family member, as current student, there are lots of ways that we'd love to help build our community and we'd love you to enjoy this podcast, like it, share it, uh, subscribe to it, continue to grow our audience as we want more and more people to be able to enjoy the benefits of sitting down with a Yarra Old Grammarian and hearing of life's twists and turns. I'm going to begin today's conversation when I ask Kate about how did she start? When did you start at Yarra and what are her early memories? Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. And today I'm thrilled to be joined by Kate Schmidley from the class of 2012. Welcome back to Hi. Yarra Valley Grammar. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. When did you start at Yarra? What year level, what grade would that have been? What um, year? I started in 2005, which was my grade five. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a mum that works at the school. So uh, when things weren't going so well at my primary school, we decided that Yarra was where I wanted to be for high school. Why not put me in earlier? And I think that was really good because I got to make a lot of friends in the, the Yarra community before you add in almost another 100 kids. Mm-hmm. So that was really nice to have a lot of friends and not go in so blind. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that year seven. So you've, you've built some friendships, you've got some establishment, and then all of a sudden year seven and a whole lot of new people come in. Yeah. What do you remember about year seven? Well, we went from two classes in primary school to seven yeah. classes or maybe six classes back then. I think it was six. 7.6 was the highest, mm-hmm. which was big. Yeah. Like that's tripling what we had. So, yeah, it was weird. My, my whole friendship group got split up. Right. I had one one girlfriend from my friendship group in my shoot, and mm-hmm. that was great. I think you, you get to write down one person from primary school to come to you, uh, your your senior school. And um, I remember orientation day with the coloured dots and you – you go to your group and you can pick someone from your coloured dot as well, someone you haven't met before that you maybe want to be in the same class with. And I had some friends from ballet and around and, and choir and I would put my coloured dot friends in the in the tutes. So I had a few people that I kind of knew and that was nice. And it helps. Yeah. Yeah. Year 7 was just like a explorative, hmm. fun time. <laughs> because it, it really, from junior school and whether it's the local primary school or whether it's here at Yarra, it, it is a much bigger experience, isn't it, when it's you're huge. into secondary school? Yeah, and, and people are at different stages as well. Mm-hmm. Like, depending on what school you're from, it, people are different like, and people are going through puberty at different times. Mm-hmm. You're like, whoa, mm-hmm. very different people and you have to find your footing. Who were the, the people that you uh, hung out with? Who was your crowd while you were at school and, and what, what impact did they have on you? <laughs> my friendship group at school were, I don't know what happened 
in our year, it, it seemed to be that we had a big group of people that just wanted to be high achievers in every area. And we had a, a, a this really great friendship because we all wanted to do debating and drama and music and be academic. And it was almost competitive, but in a friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was kind of strange, but So you pushed each other in a, yeah, in a friendly very yet much competitive so. way. Yeah, yeah it okay. was really strange. I talking to friends that went to different schools, they never had that experience. But I think because when you're going through middle school, you can do everything. Mm-hmm. And in senior school, if you <laughs> if you feel so inclined, you can do everything right through to year 12. Mm-hmm. And and was that journey for you, was that a positive experience in terms of year t- get to year 12 and you've graduated? Do you look back on your high school years at Yarra uh, with fond memories? I do. I do. I think you get to senior school and you're like, I maybe took on a bit too much, mm-hmm. but it it's actually really helpful for them when you go to uni. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I have good fond memories of the schooling and the experiences that I got to have at the school. Mm. Yeah. What's a favourite place for you here at the school? Um, I love the the theatre dressing rooms okay. uh, because I was lucky enough to be sort of be so heavy heavily involved in theatre that when I had free periods, maybe it was against the rules, I don't know, but when I had free periods, I would just disappear to the, the change rooms that were always empty. I used to do my singing practice in there. I could do my drama solo and no one would look. Um and I, I could study in there and I could do all my folio work and spread it all out. It was just a nice quiet place where I could separate myself when I needed to. Mm-hmm. And the other place is actually the art department. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, I was really involved with the graphic design and the fashion design back at school and it was just a nice place to be. Mm-hmm. It's free-flowing and creative and everyone's doing their own work. Yeah. It's nice. You've continued to explore the creative arts. Yeah. Um, when you left... Yarra, you finished 2012. What happened then? Where did you head from from there? I was really torn because through school I'd been really successful in design and stuff. I got a 50 for fashion in year 11, which led me to think I should do that. But I, I knew, I always knew that I wanted to do performing arts and do that and and started started to learn that it's it's really hard to get into and it's hard when you're at school because there's a level to work towards but you're not in a big wide pool where you you realize that the best at one school isn't the best at another school and all of these people are vying for so many small spots so I I I didn't know whether I wanted to do design or music theater so I applied for both I was lucky enough to get the music theater and so I was like great that's where my heart wants to go I'll give that a go and then it just kept going Mm. yeah I remember very fondly a number of great occasions where you were on stage because that's where I would have seen you as feeling at home yeah. on stage. And you're still striving to be on stage today. Yeah. So you went and explored. You went. You travelled. You went to Western Australia? Yeah. What happened over there? Um, so my first year out of school I did a one-year music theatre course called Showfit, uh, which is non-accredited, so they let you train fully it's like completely practical from 8 30 to 4 p.m dance singing dancing and acting and it's, it's kind of a bridging course to get you to the right standard to then audition for a school like WAPA which is where I went which is not the Hungry Jack's Burger it's the um, abbreviation of the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts which 
has had a couple of big names come out of it. Who are some of them? Um, well, most recently, uh, a guy called Dacre Montgomery, who's the Red Power Ranger uh-huh. from the Power Rangers film, and he's also in season two of Stranger Things. He was at Wapo when I was there. Um, and then we've got uh, Tim Minchin, who is the great comedian, Eddie Perfect, came through Wapa, and Hugh Jackman, mm. who I was lucky enough to meet. Terrific. It was very cool. So <laughs> tell me about that situation. Where were you? What was happening? Um, Hugh, not that we're on a first-name basis, but he set up a foundation at Wapa, um, basically kind of as a thank you but also just to remind people that it's a, a institution that needs funding and to keep going. So he created the Jackman Furness Foundation, which he and his wife and Jack Thompson, whose son went to WAPA, put together as people could donate directly to WAPA because mm. it's actually associated with Edith Cowan University. And if you donate to WAPA through ECU, ECU can kind of take the money. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted something that went directly to the yeah. actors and the music theatre kids. And since he came over and launched it when I was in first year in 2014, uh, he's done massive scholarships for the actors. He's brought incredible people over the e- from the East Coast to the West Coast to work with us. I got to do some incredible shows mm. while I was over there, like Legally Blonde and Bring It On and... I got to do an Australian premiere um, and work with Meryl Tankard, who did the Sydney Olympic Games. She choreographed the entire opening ceremony. Wow, okay. So you're mixing with some big names out there. Yeah, I'm really lucky that the uni is at a level where people in the industry want to go and work there. I got to work with Nancy Hayes and that was a huge turning point for me because she's kind of music theatre royalty. Yeah. The Hayes Theatre Company in Sydney is named after her and she's still working. Yeah. She kind of was the first Australian woman to play a leading role on stage before her they were imported from America. Right, yeah. So to work with someone like that, yeah. you're like, oh, just tell me everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's not all glitz and glamour. No. It's not all lights and camera action and not at all. crowds adoring in the aisles and it's there's some hard work involved, I gather. Yeah, and to move over to the West Coast, you I was 19 mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm very glad that I was 19 when I left um, because I moved out of home mm-hmm. and so my course was uh, at least 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. every day with 45 minutes for lunch. Mm-hmm. You do classes in the morning, all-day classes in first year, classes in the morning, rehearsals in the afternoon for second and third year. So to then fit in writing essays, because it's a Bachelor of Arts, you still got to do all of the academic side, essays, um, presentations, cooking dinner, washing mm. your clothes, Just making sure stuff. your room's clean. Yeah. Like it all goes down the drain and that's, that's the lesson that you learn is that you have to time manage and then you have to work to pay the rent, yeah. which I was lucky. I have incredibly supportive parents yeah. because it, it really is hard to pack up your life and travel and have to work so hard. Mm. Yeah. And so now in terms of um, auditions and trying to get more work as an actor yeah. as a um, in music theatre and, in fact, maybe in other areas yeah. as well, um, what's that kind of that whole uh, uh, audition process look like? Um, Don't you just walk in there, yeah. sing a few bars and they go, we want you. I wish. Um, when you graduate... If you're lucky enough to go to a uni, there's a showcase and that's where agents 
come and they they watch the showcase and I, I'm not kidding when I say that they're in the program there's all of our headshots and at the first page of the program are all of our names with a box next to it and they tick who they want mm. and then they send it in and we get emails so people get a wide range. People might get one offer. They might get 10 offers. They mm-hmm. might get no offers, mm-hmm. which is when you have to go and approach agents. Mm-hmm. I was lucky I got a fairly middle of the range set of offers and I got to meet with multiple agents um, and pick the one that you mix Connect the best with. with. Yeah, great. Because that's really important because mm-hmm. they're basically working for you for the next however many years you want to stay with them, mm-hmm. hopefully a long time. And they... Only make money off you if you make money, which is nice. So they're invested in your success. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, they generally take about ten percent of what you uh, what you earn. Um, but so you you sort of firstly feel the pressure to get work so that your agent is making some money, mm-hmm. which is that's one level of pressure. And then you want the work because you want to do what you love and mm-hmm. you want to be making money with what you've trained in. Um, in terms of getting an audition, you your agent submits you. Uh, a casting director will look at your photo and if they think your photo is suitable, mm-hmm. they'll see you. If they think your credits are right, they'll see you. But if they want a redhead and you're a brunette, chances are they won't see you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they might ask you to dye your hair if, you, if you're a few rounds in. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you get in the room, you get told what to do. You might dance first, you might sing first. And then it's just sort of a process of going in and going in and going in until they've narrowed it down from upwards of 400 people to like 12. So, so when you say going in, going in, this is, this is for one particular yeah. show? Yeah. So right. Multiple auditions for one part? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm only a year out, but I've done multiple show auditions and for some it's taken me two days is probably the shortest process um I mean you can you can go in and you can sing and they go no thanks and you're out yeah so it can last for an hour uh but it can last I've had one that lasted up to seven months right which it's very hard to let go of if it if it's continuing on it's harder and harder to forget about it yes because it's kind of what you have to do and, and yet you're putting yourself out there, um, giving it your best, performing as best you can, and they're making some judgments on that. Yeah. Take it or leave it. They want it. They don't. Um, yes, you're the right person. So I imagine that there's a fair bit of um, disappointment in this game. Yeah. So how do you deal with that disappointment and, dare I say, rejection? Oh, it's definitely rejection because in, in their version of that show... Let's say, I don't know, what's a show that's not going to come? Les Mis. So Les Mis has just happened. And I didn't audition for Les Mis. But in the current version of Les Mis, I might have been too tall or too young or too not tanned. <laughs> so there's some things that are outside of your control. Yeah, Because you yeah. can't change, you can't become shorter. No, and it, it, it is so high, like there's always those sorts of things. Like, and it, might that be based on other characters yeah. and who they've... Kind yeah, of. and who they've already got right. in their head and mm. all that sort of stuff. There's a show on at the moment that I know they have to cast short because the lead is short. Um, I'm tall, yeah. so I'm not going to get that show because okay. I'm a tall girl. Yeah. Well, for the industry. Yes, by comparison. So I'm 5'7", I'm which is, I'm very lucky. I'm sort of in the average chorus girl range, but 
if they want a short, like, well, Wizard of Oz, I'm not going to play a munchkin. Mm-hmm. So, the, yeah, so, yeah. I wouldn't cast you as a munchkin. No. no. <laughs> and I didn't get cast as a munchkin. So let's let's move, I don't know, ha- how far down the track until you... Until, ha- when will we recognise the name Kate <laughs> Schmidley because it's up in lights? Oh, is I, that something that is attainable and achievable for you? Yeah, I think so. If the right thing comes along, for me, my biggest goal... I've always wanted to be in a production company show. Um, I will make that happen. Like, mm-hmm. that, that will happen. I've put it out there into the universe, which I really believe in. I've manifested it. it one day I'll be in the right fit. Um, but I want to work. I want to work consistently. Um, I want to make money from what I'm trained to do mm-hmm. and not have to work in retail or in hospitality like a lot of actors do. Mm-hmm. Um whether that's through teaching, which I love to do, or sharing knowledge, which I also love to do, or through performing. Mm. Um, yeah, hopefully at some point the right show comes along, hopefully yeah. soon yeah. the right show comes along, and whether it's in the ensemble or in a leading role. And and you, you get onto a, a, a big show yeah. and you're in the in the ensemble and then that becomes a stepping stone into to bigger and bigger yeah, gigs, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I love being in the ensemble and I love the chance to be in the ensemble and then be a cover. Um, so that if... Uh, if Does that mean like given, an understudy? Yeah, it's it's like... Well, it basically is understudying. Um, so like in Aladdin, if Princess Jasmine went off, uh, the Jasmine cover would step up. Yeah. Um, and then there's a special thing called a swing, which is someone that stays off stage and they learn all of the ensemble roles so that when a cover goes on, they jump into the ensemble. So it's like a... It's a big, long conveyor belt. So the swing can swing into any of the roles. The swing is the most highly regarded position in the music theatre industry and it's something I've always wanted to do, but it is incredibly hard because you have to learn seven or eight different girls' choreography and it might be a different arm or different leg. Mm. And in the big shows, if you make one wrong step, you might fall off the stage because of a set piece or... Mm -hmm. You might get hit by something. Wow. So you've got to have your wits about you. Can you become a specialised swing? Yeah, you can sort of, if you're a good swing, mm. you might stay a swing for a while because right. everyone's going to want the good swing. And that's good. It's good yeah. to be the swing. Yeah, I mean, wow. it's it's a tough slog yeah. and so highly regarded. Right. It's yeah. really important that everyone respects the swing. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and those within the industry because me out in the audience watching on stage, I would have no idea that yeah. somebody's just swung into that role yeah. for that night or, in fact, on any one performance, might they do...? Multiple. Uh, there's a thing called split tracking where if there's two people in the ensemble off, they might have to do both of those two people Crikey. at the same time. Wow. It's very cool. When you yeah. when you know it's happening, yes. it's very cool. There is a lot of magic that happens behind the scenes. Yeah. We in the audience, we we wow at it and, and but we don't see the pulleys and we don't see the you know the, the drop off the backs and yeah. we don't see how you make this magic happen. Yeah. What are some little snippets of secrets that you <laughs> can reveal? Um well, it's mostly for us as the performers, it's pretty set in stone for us. So we kind of just do the job that we're given, the choreography and everything. But quick changes. Um, I did Legally Blonde at WAPA and there's a scene where we're, we're partying and it all of a sudden turns into Harvard University and all these cheerleaders burst through. There is a 32-second time gap between partying on stage 
and bursting through the back of the stage in cheerleading costumes with pom-poms. So we had to take off our heels, wear runners, take off our skirts, put on different skirts, change our tops, pick up our pom-poms and run on stage. And we could not have done that without dresses. So there's a wardrobe department in every show, but what people don't realise is that there's probably 10 or 15 dresses who are um, given a specific performer and they spend the entire performance following one person and making sure they're dressed in the right thing. Yes. So that 32 seconds we had to practice during tech, which is when you're in the theatre but not performing to an audience. Yep. We probably practiced that quick change for two hours straight, just party outfit, cheerleading outfit, party outfit, cheerleading outfit. Wow. Yeah, because if it doesn't work, yes. the magic's ruined. That's right, that's right. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. It's so much fun. And so, so presumably, so you look for your dresser. Yeah. Because that dresser has got your, your clothes stuff. ready for you, what, all your bits and oh. pieces. They make sure that you've got the right size and the right shape or whatever. Yeah, I've... um. Actually, opening night of Legally Blonde, it was my stuff up. Normally, I'd wear part of the costume underneath, and that night I'd forgotten to put the underneath part of the costume on, and I went on without the blue bloomers underneath the cheerleading skirt uh-huh. on opening night. And presumably, you're doing yeah, big and you're kicking your and legs and stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm on stage. You've got to keep going. People are in the audience. What do they say? The show must go on. Yeah, and I mean, like it, it was fine. We're wearing tights, yes. and it's no issue, but. You never do it again. No. Have you had a fall on stage? Um, not on stage in a musical, uh, in an assessment, yes. Oh, okay. In front of my whole cohort. So uh, each class has 20 people. There's three classes. So 60 people, 20 of us are up doing our performance and we're running back and my heel, because we dance in heels, my heel slips and I landed flat on my butt. Yes. And everyone else is just like keeping on going. Yeah. And you have to then try and find so, yes, your spot. Yes, because you're, you're in the way now. Yeah. So you've got to get yourself up gracefully. Yeah, and you don't want to stuff anyone else up. That's right. You don't want to trip them and you've got to find out where you're meant to be and re- recoup yourself yeah. and get on with it. Yeah. Luckily, I don't think we've had any major issues when I've done a show, yeah. uh, a friend of mine got so into a scene that he cracked his head open and um, it was a very intense song and the girl singing it could see the blood coming down her hand. Boy. And we sent him off to hospital and another guy played his role for the second half of the show. So the show keeps going. Oh, yeah. Your mate, he's gone, he's going to hospital. Technically that one could have stopped because blood is a is a stop. Yeah. But um, for the most part, if anything happens... If someone in the audience gets sick, even if you have a heart attack, mm. it's no show stop. Right. Yeah. Wow. It's really full on. And, and would you would you say that the industry is quite ruthless in that sense? Um, I think we we stick to a very strict um, timeline. Like it's it's very poor etiquette to start a show late. Mm. Um, very poor etiquette to go long on interval. But in terms of the industry, it's. It's strict but not ruthless. Okay. It's probably the kindest group of people I've ever been in. Terrific. I think I think community theatre can get a little bit narky and a little bit political, but when you get into the professional industry, it's so supportive. Yeah, wonderful. It's actually quite incredible That's and good it to hear starts that. at the university. Yes, okay. Um, yeah, so so that, that camaraderie that you establish and, and because you're going to grow up through the industry together yeah. and and 
be supportive of each other getting parts. At the same time, some of the time I imagine you're going to be competing for the same role. Oh, so much so. Mm. Um, my best friends and I have all gone in for the same stuff. Yes. And it's it can be gut-wrenching, but it can also be the most amazing thing when your friend does get it. And I think what's really important is, well, we're all graduates at this amazing university, so someone getting work is going to um, make the university look good, mm-hmm. which makes us all look good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you kind of have to celebrate everyone's wins because everyone's going to have one at some point mm-hmm. and everyone's going to miss out at some point. Sure. So if you celebrate them, then there's no bitchiness. And you, I honestly don't think you come across it a lot in the industry. Yeah. I know people that went to the same uni as me 10 years ago that go, oh, you're a new graduate. Like, that's so exciting. Let's be friends. Yeah, okay. And you're like, cool. I mean, we're competing, but yes. great, let's be friends. Yes. So those those periods of time, those periods of learning yeah. that you spend a lot of time with that group of people has an impact on your life for oh, sure. yeah. yeah. Um, let's bring it back to school yeah. here at Yarra. And, and I think school does have an impact on your character, you know. Absolutely. It develops character. Um, are there things that you can attribute to the way you go about things, your attitude to different perspectives of life that you could, you know, I guess have been inspired by your time at Yarra? Yeah. When I was in year 11 and 12, I remember, and I can't for the life of me remember the names of the workshops, but we had workshops on time management Mm -hmm. and planning and all of that sort of stuff that really worked with me. Um, I'm an avid bullet journaler, which is Mm. when you really like decoratively plan out your life. Um, And so I like to task my day and tick Mm. off my tasks and all that sort of stuff. But that came from year 11 and 12. I was so proud of my Yarra planner. I had (laughs) my timetable would always be coloured and the colours on my timetable would match the highlighters in where I'd write in my homework Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I think having to have your planner checked and because I don't know if you still do that, check your planner. Yeah, having your planner checked and having to have your homework done and all of that, I never wanted to do anything wrong. Mm. And so to make it fun, I'd colour code it and, yeah. So some of those disciplines, some of those habits were really um, informative and and prepared you for the disciplines that you've got to apply to life now. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. We have a school motto, Lavavi Oculus, which means lift up my eyes. What does that term mean to you? Um, currently it, it, to me is about being present in the moment. Um, I think that's something really important, especially in the social media world. And I, (laughs) it's not like I'm above social media. I get stuck on my phone all the time, but as an actor, it's really important to be in the moment and present and taking now for what it is. I think that's really important. And I think it's also just being open to what's coming Mm. because you don't, I don't think you know exactly how your life is going to pan out when you're at school. And I certainly was very design driven mm-hmm. for a long time. And um, yeah, I think going through year 12, I was so unsure whether I was going to do music theatre or design and I was still working on both. Mm. And I think, yeah, just being open and present and yeah, open to it all, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. What does success look like for you? Um, is it a is it a title? If you were successful, what title would you no. have? Is it a 
a particular show that you get to be part of? Is it a particular car that you drive, country you live in, <laughs> experiences you've had? What to me, success? I think it's growth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see successes. I, I don't think I'll ever hit something and be like, that was when I was successful. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think I've been successful and I've, like, I think I've had a successful year and I haven't landed a big show because mm-hmm. uh, I've made a lot of progress and I've grown. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that I could put a label on it for me. Mm. I think success is doing what you want to do. Um, for me, maybe it's to make a living out of it because I want to make a living out of what I love. Mm. And I'm very lucky that I'm kind of doing that now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still live at home now, so... It'll be interesting when I move out to see how I juggle it. Yeah, how you balance yeah. the, the, the finances in, the finances Hopefully out. Hopefully I can do a teaching and yep. working independently and stuff. Sure. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't put a label on success for me in a physical form. Is there a, a role that is a role that you would love to be able to play one day? Think, think as yeah. big as you, you need to. Oh, there's so many. Right, like, okay. Uh, so many. Um <laughs> There, there are quite a few performers that I look up to um, and the roles that they've done I'd love to do. But the other thing is I want to do them as me. Mm. Um, I love some new boutique shows. Uh, there's one called Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, which is based on um, Tolstoy's War and Peace. And it's uh, set in a Spiegel tent, which is uh, these gorgeous tents and people get to sit and it's, it's Russian music and the whole audience is involved and she just sings these beautiful songs. And it's for me, it's about the storytelling. Like I want to do roles where the storytelling is really big. Mm. I'm not into all the bells and whistles if it's not good storytelling mm-hmm. and good content. Um, I love Anastasia. It'll come to Australia. I think I'm too tall for it, unfortunately, which is gut-wrenching. Yes. But I love Anastasia and I love yeah. that they've made it a musical because I think – taking beautiful stories, adding beautiful music, and then making it magical for adults and kids. Yes. There's nothing better than taking a kid to the theatre. Yeah. Like the kids' faces during Aladdin mm. and Matilda. Like if you're inspiring people, that's what I want to do. Yeah, great. So it doesn't really matter about the role, even if it's, a, to be honest, just ensemble. Mm. It's just that part that's fun. Yeah, that's that's really exciting, and I agree with you. I think there's something about live theatre oh. and 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 live music that is really engaging, encompassing. And you talked about being in the moment before, yeah. Um, and how you know there's something magical that is we're separate from the stage, and yet we feel a part of it yeah. as well. And and that connection that you can have in live theatre is pretty special. Yeah, and you you get those performers that are one-off performers that just move you, just mm. them performing in concert. Which I had a, a an American girl called Sierra Bogus. Uh, she was the original Little Mermaid, but she also did uh, Phantom, and she came to Australia, and I wept the entire two hours. Right. Just the way that she is as a human and connects her life to her performance, and just her presence was so amazing. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Tell me, are there any habits or routines or rituals that are part of your life that uh, you, you would say have helped you? Um, bullet journaling, mm-hmm. which is new. It actually is quite new. So I've always been a really good diary keeper. And then in the world of social media, I found bullet journaling, which is a good outcome of social media. 
And um, that started this year and I've stuck to it pretty well. Mm. It's just a nice way to track things. Mm. I um, When I was at ShowFit, I had an acting teacher that said it's really important to find three happy things in every day and that I found because when we do get rejection and I think it's really important to find the three happy things, mm. even if it's a really bad day, it can be like I ate chocolate or my dog actually got up from bed to say hello to me when I came home. It doesn't have to be big things. Yeah, they can be small wins, yeah. can't they? Mm. I think that's really important. And then from that, I had another friend who, because we, we get a lot of life coachy sort of stuff in the industry because it's the only way you survive is to mm-hmm. look after yourself. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a course in life as well as acting. Um, and she said whenever you are having a bad day, you can flip your mood around with a song Mm-hmm. or one happy thing. Like if you just think and find something good, your mood is going to switch. Mm. And that makes you a better person and it makes people feel better around you. And I really believe in that. I think if you bring a positive energy, positive things are going to come. Mm. So that's a, a mind habit. I'm also since going to university and doing music theatre and all my sport teachers will be like, is this the same person? Um, but being active is so important. Mm. Um, I gym at least three times a week purely for maintenance and health for my body because that's my work, mm-hmm. um, which is hilarious because when I was at school, I avoided sport like the plague. <laughs> I hated it. I hated it, hated it, hated it. And they all know that. That's not new to the stuff <laughs> at all. Um, and I understand now. But I had a, a sport teacher at Yarra who, when we were in year 12, took us for a walk and it was the most appreciative I think I've ever been Great. at school because that's what I needed to do. Mm. I didn't want to play tennis or mm. soccer. I wanted to go for a long walk and I do go for walks and gym and just any exercise is really good. Mm. Yeah. Kate, it's been great to spend a few moments with you today and uh, what one thing that we will do is we're going to endeavour to keep our show notes updated um, with whatever your latest show is, especially those uh, around Melbourne, um, because most of our audience will be Melbourne-based. Yes. But uh, if you do end up travelling and you're <laughs> in a, a travelling show, then we'll uh, we'll try and put some dates up on our uh, in the show notes to so that people can click on there and find yeah. out where you're at at the moment. Um, leave us with the best advice that you've ever received. <laughs> um. Uh, it's, ooh, I'm torn between two. You can give us two if okay. you like. Um, the first one is from my singing teacher and it's feel the fear and do it anyway. Feel the fear? And do it anyway. I like it. I love it. It's fairly new, um, again, <laughs> but I, I really resonate with that because I think you get out of life what you put in and to push yourself, you're going to get more of what you want. And it's scary. It's really scary to do a lot of the things that I do. Well, I find it scary. Other people might not. But I I feel like everyone has something that they want to do that they're a little bit scared to do. And if you acknowledge the fear and you go, thank you, I see you, I'm just going to put you in a corner, leave me alone, Mm -hmm. and then you do it, you'll reap the benefits. So I love that. And the other one, which is really great, just when something kind of not so great happens is cancel and continue, which is, um, I know I just gave you two quotes, (laughs) but um, that's from Alan Cumming. 
who is a phenomenal actor, Scottish actor, but he's known from uh, The Good Wife, the TV show, music theatre, everything. He's done everything. Um, And he just thinks, you know, it's happened, cancel, continue, move on, let go. Mm -hmm. And I, I find it very hard to let go. I can hold grudges and... I can hold on to things, auditions. You never want to let them go because you want to be hopeful. Mm. But, yeah, even just bad conversations with someone. Cancel, continue. That's great. Uh, I don't want to quite cancel this interview (laughs) at the moment. I've got one last question for you uh, and then we will say goodbye. But what inspired you during your time here at Yarra? Hmm. A lot. (laughs) Um, I think... The breadth of opportunity made me want to do everything. Um, But that came from enthusiasm of teachers. Like it had to be mostly the staff because I think if you have uninspiring staff, you don't want to do it. If the staff aren't inspiring you, then you're not going to want to actually take part in the class. I hated maths, but... (laughs) Mailing Lee is just like the best thing in the entire world and she made maths doable mm. in, year, in year 12. And even that in some ways was inspiring mm. just to get through year 12 maths. Yeah, which absolutely. I probably shouldn't have done. Uh-huh. But, yeah. yeah, the teachers yeah. and the opportunity was what was most inspiring. Great. Yeah. Kate Schmidley, class of 2012, thank you for your time here. Thanks for having me. You have me. clearly been inspired by Yarra. Yes. <laughs> thank Thanks you. for your time. Well, there you have it. That wraps up another episode of Inspired by Yarra. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Kate Schmidley from the class of 2012. Fascinating journey that she has been on and continues to be on, celebrating the importance of connection and and building rapport with the people that she works with and the highs and lows of performance. And uh, I love her dedication and the future aspirations that she has and she's determined to succeed. I love it. You can go back and catch up on this interview. We've got some show notes uh, exclusively for this interview and all the other episodes of Inspired by Yarra. And they're sitting on our webpage. If you go via yvg.vic.edu.au and then look up the community section and you can find the Inspired by Yarra podcast page in that menu. Got some show notes there that... uh, help to summarise this story and from there you can go back and listen to all of our other episodes. Hope you're enjoying these conversations that we uh, release regularly to continue to build and grow the Yarra Valley Grammar community. My name's Paul Joy and on behalf of everybody here at Yarra, I want to wish you another day of inspiration where you go out there and make a positive impact in the world around you. Go get them. Thank you.